Hello, you're very welcome to episode 40, 46 of two, season two, Two Hands in a Hurl podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Mansfield, and I'm joined by the editor-in-chief, Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? And not too bad, Robbie, and yourself? Ah, sure, Grant. Um, I suppose I have to say it's 35 years ago that my mom and dad missed an episode of Glen Row on this night, and... Um, they never live, lived it down, never let me live it down because uh, I arrived into the world the next day. So they missed Glen Rose. So I was just wondering, should I maybe email Ryan Turberty and try and get a copy of the the episode for them? I know. Would you believe I had a feeling your birthday was around this time? I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wasn't trying to drop a hint. I wasn't trying to oh, drop Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'm just bullying now because I never, because no one should get away easily, especially when they're hosting the podcast. But I know it, it could be a long episode, yeah. Could be, yeah. <laughs> Early happy birthday anyway, Robbie. And when it goes out, it will be your birthday. So Thanks. definitely. Are your mom and dad a fan of Denroe? Uh, not really. Father wouldn't have been a huge fan of it. Now, mother would have watched it, and I would have. I think it was kind of a what's the term you could use for kind of do you know when something's hype that you you may have liked it then, but you don't like you might like it now if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm sure it has an age age well as a TV show. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I mean, and especially like the one that preceded that. I don't know if you um, uh, ever Bracken saw Bracken, the documentary on Bracken. That was actually filmed in Kells, the pub scenes. Was it? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know Shirley's pub in the middle of Kells? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your, the woman out of Fair City that was mar- married to the gangster. Now, I don't watch Fair City, um, but when it was on, uh, she owned a nightclub or something. But her mm. father took part in that, and she went down actually to Kells for the documentary and also Wicklow, where it was filmed. So oh, it wow. was on RT there a while ago, and there was a couple of locals uh, from Sonnyford was in the pub so yeah there's kind of a real local connection there as well um, and it's always a small world isn't it? yeah and I think a granduncle of mine played in it in one of the real old episodes as well he's dead now but uh yeah and also yeah a bit of boring um trivia there <laughs> trivia and nostalgia Cool, so we'll crack on and we'll go towards uh, the GA stuff. Um, Do you catch any of the club games on the telly the weekend? Yeah, I won't lie. I was really bad um, over the weekend. I was listening to the Ballyhale match on radio. And um, yeah, fair play to Mount Linster Rangers. They really put it up um, only for um, Dean Mason on the goal Valley Hill may have been in a bit of difficulty there were four points up and he pulled off a terrific save um, and yeah great credit to Mount Leinster Rangers they went right through to I think the All-Earn semi-final or possibly final a few years ago so they're really up there and Connor Fielding of Kilkenny was uh, in charge of them as well so it just shows the, the pedigree that's there um, Connor was involved with Kilkenny Camogie when they won the All Ireland back in 2016. Um, 
yeah, I was watching a couple of other games. Good win for uh, Kilmacud over um, oh, what's the Wolf team Town. from Maine? Wolf Tones. Yeah, that was a good win. Sets up uh, uh, Water and tie against Port Arlington, a leash that got over St. Lomans, uh, Westmeath. Um, St. Lomans were really a danger side there. And I heard for the Port Arlington side, they lost their goalkeeper. I think their entire full back line was changed as well from what I read, but still um, St. Lomans really put it up and it was good. So it sets up a really good one. And mm. adore, they oh, were it? the two nice. games. Did nice beat Blessington as well. That's a bit of a, a derby game because they're only up the road from each other. Yeah, they had a good bit spare. I think it was about 4-11 to around seven points or something. Um and yeah, no, I mean, Blessington would have been really disappointed with that because Wicklow would have had kind of strong enough sides like throughout the years. Same with Carlo. Yeah. I mean, um, was it Aerog of Carlo had a real good run there back in the 90s as well, I would have heard. Um, but yeah, that's a good win, uh, win for Nace there. And I mean, it, it's kind of... It make you think if the club championship, leaving out that nace result aside, if the intercounty scene could be as competitive as some of the club championship games are, it'd be terrific. Like, I mean, yeah, there's definitely kind of a magic to a team winning their uh, their county championship and then going on a bit of a run. And sometimes it doesn't even matter like how big of a community it is; it just can things can just click into in a in a in a club run and they go all the way and win in all Ireland. Like I think you were saying with Wicklow you had uh Bolton Glass, they won the All Ireland like a good few years ago. And then like Rathnew would have been always really good for from Wicklow as well in terms of going into the club and I think they might have won a couple of Leinsters as well. So yeah, it can be a great leveler in terms of getting competitive games and stuff like that. As well, I think is the the time of year with the you know the dirty ball and the wet the wet pitches and stuff like that that could probably play into it a bit as well. Yeah, and also have to give credit to Lockmore Castellini at Tipperary as well. I hope I have that right. Um, I know the mm-hmm. team I want to say, but I'm nearly sure it's Lockmore Castellini. They won the hurling and football double in Tipperary, and they yes. died with their boots on in Ennis um, on Sunday as well. It went extra time, and I mean to do the double and kind of hold off the celebrations and still go as strong because everyone knows the level Clare football's at at the moment as well. They're kind of a really formidable side. So to go down there and do what they done after doing what they done in their own county has to deserve great credit as well. So uh, commiserations, but we wish them the best of luck and uh, the hurling as well until they come up against Ballyhale if they do. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was just going to ask you a question about um, in the other game that was on TG Carr was uh, was a Scots Scots doing Scots down. We're playing a team from Derry, and one of the Derry guys, I think, he used to play Aussie Rules football, and he did like a, a catch Aussie Rules style where he kind of almost jumped up on the back of one of the other players to catch the ball. Now it was a brilliant bit of fielding, but obviously it, it's illegal by uh, GA standards, so. I was just wondering, do you think it's actually something that the GEA could benefit because they're always going on about bringing in more high fielding and high catching and maybe 
something like this might be good to add into the game or do you think it's kind of more like it's borderline dangerous uh, to the player that's on the ground? Uh, personally, I'd love to see it. I won't lie to you. Um, I'd love to see more physicality in the sport and if it was kind of controlled aggression that's that you can see within rugby, it'd be terrific. Uh, the one danger that point you could see is especially if you had local rivalries say Dublin meet Tyrone Tyrone Dublin or Kerry Cork or something like that you may see it kind of getting out of hand slightly that way it's no matter what there's going to be tensions Leash Offley another one Leash Kildare another great rivalry Um, Galway Mayo (laughs) I mean but um, like a bit spicier exactly but I mean Everyone, well, maybe I'm wrong in this. I used to love the Aussie rules between Ireland and Australia, and then it kind of got slightly out of hand there for a while. Um, so maybe if it was kind of controlled to a level, it could be really good. I know as a spectator sport, it, it'd be brilliant to watch. Now, why I mean controlled aggression is... It would be, I think, a long process because if you take, say, the Aussie rules, they're training to that. You couldn't see the GA implementing that, say, for the upcoming National League because you'd only have a couple of months of training and it'd be a completely kind of new system in a sense that that you could go in physically but doing it in a sense that you try and minimise the damage to the opposition player, uh, any injuries or that. But um, I wouldn't say it'd be a runner, Robbie. I genuinely don't, because if you look at what's going on at the moment, you see the controversy went on with, do you remember Sean Kavanagh at the time he um, took down, a, was it a Kerry player or a, another opposition player? Yeah, um, yeah. a cynical foul so you could kind of see the purest and then when you see the opposition that they were to the plan B and all of that you can kind of I wouldn't say it'd be a runner but personally as a spectator sport I think it'd be deadly and I know yeah. most players would love it themselves because they're training you know yourself Robbie is strength and conditioning and that players are building themselves up to be able to withstand tackles so I think it'd be brilliant but can't see it happening Yeah that's probably true the kind of uh, things move to a bit slowly in the GA world um, but uh, a story I noticed there during the week was um, a Limerick lady Pauline McCarthy she's 62 and she's still um, playing football and hurling for her club Um and I think she was playing in a football final last weekend and they won uh, Junior B. And then she's playing in a Camogie final this weekend in Limerick. Um, so just, yeah, first of all, that's just uh, some achievement to be still playing at 62, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Enough and great credit as well. I mean, I know myself, I play played a bit of five-a-side soccer and all of that and you'd be broken up the next day and you're when you're in your 30s, so... Great credit to that woman. Now, I won't lie to you, I didn't hear it on the radio today. I didn't hear it until you sent it on. But great credit to her and more power. And it just shows the one thing, even though 62 isn't considered old now, um, 
it 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 is all for sport in a sense and great creditor and may she have long happy life continuing playing um i i heard of a couple of stories of people in their 70s and men's maybe there's one man i think he was in his 70s he lined out in junior hurling a few year ago um so yeah no it's it's just great like and it just shows the advances because going back the decade 60 would have been considered a kind of a, an advanced age but now thank god it isn't so it's it's one good thing and great credit to her and best of luck to her in the the final of the weekend yeah best luck to her um and also with that you have also like 16 year old young lads and young girls who are playing like junior as well and i don't know about you uh if kind of playing junior or whatever, but I played junior when I was 16 and um, I got a definitely <laughs> a good few belts. Um, that definitely made a bit of a, a man of me, to be honest with you, off the outlads maybe who were moving a bit slower. Um, I think I remember in the first game, there was a, a ball uh, and I was going, I bent over to pick it up. And then uh, obviously this outlad came in like maybe, three seconds later because he was a bit slower and he clattered into the back of me. So that was uh, definitely a good baptism into, into junior football or to, you know, senior adult football, you know what I mean? But um, it's, it's always great to have a nice mix of kind of younger and older people. Like, and, you know, it is, you know, if you're on the same team together, it's kind of a bit of a passing of the torch sort of thing, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really nice thing actually in GA. Oh, definitely. I mean, it brings back memories. I played football in Leash for a while. I loved Gaelic football and um, flatters from everyone knows from Abbey League. So I went up, played there for a while and I came up against an all-star one day and I got the first couple of balls, but I guarantee I didn't get the third one. No, no. way did I get the third one. He made sure that now I have the height of respect for the the player. He's an all-star and he was a brilliant, brilliant player. But my God, it just showed I was only about 16. I probably shouldn't have been playing. It was an intermediate game at the time. Uh, I would have mm. kicked in a bit of junior, but I, yeah, I know it was a baptism of fire and... Yeah, I know <laughs> it make a man out of you. I tell you that. <laughs> That's it. Are you saying is there a new proposal for the the Gaelic football championship? Or yeah, I I heard something on the radio during the week. Now it, was, it, it just popped into me head when we we're chatting off air. There, and um, there's some proposal that may get Plan B over the line. I think the provincial champions, the way the structure was provincial championships would be played kind of around where the Welsh Cup was, or sorry, the Auburn Cup or the, I, sorry, the FBD League over or the McKenna Cup in the North. Um, mm. So I think there was a situation that the provincial champions will get extra points in the actual all Earn Championship League stage. Um, yeah. So there are some proposals about that. I won't say any more because I could be completely wrong, but I heard something uh, the other day. I was out running and I think I heard um, something about that. Now, personally, if that was the case, would you want to make stronger teams stronger? 
I don't know, it could be a grey area, but if it did get it over the line, it, it could be good because you want to see, like we're on about the likes of Wicklow, Carlo and all of that. You want to mm. see more games for teams like that. We're on about Sligo uh, in a few episodes back as well. So if it does get it over the line, I think it'd be worth to go for. But I, I will, I say there will be more information out. I could be completely inaccurate on that but um, hopefully there'll be some proposals for 2023 anyway yeah hopefully something happens anyway uh, cool so we're going to move on to our picks of the week there Teach. so what are your picks this week uh, I won't lie to you I've done very little on it I was listening to a good lot of Christmas music and all of that um, there's a brilliant program on last night to be on the RTE player on about the signing of the the treaty um between Ireland and England that took place a hundred years ago yesterday that was on nationwide. I saw it after the news. It's it's really interesting. I kind of have a real interest in Irish history and politics and that. So mm. it gotta be definitely worth checking out. Other than that. It was very little. Um, actually, sorry, uh, a singer that I would have talked about a lot about on the podcast. She's from Cork. Uh, Stephanie Rainey has a brilliant version of Last Christmas out as well. It's on Spotify and on our social media channels as well. Uh, so that's definitely worth checking out. And I actually mm-hmm. heard that one from Dermot Kennedy. I uh, <coughs> As well, do you know driving home for Christmas that you mentioned last week? And oh yes. yeah, yeah, no, I, I thought it was. Would you believe I actually think it's better than the original? Uh, I wouldn't have been a huge fan of the original. I could be shot for saying it, but uh, yeah. being a fan of Dermot Kennedy, I I think that his version is phenomenal. Um, I only really like that song on the day before Christmas. And the other day, I'm like, oh. Barely for that, but Christmas Eve we can play that song. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd be the same. That would have been the only time I would tolerate it. I, we used to have relations down and that for Christmas pre-COVID, and I'd go up to drive up to Leash Christmas Eve, and that drive up and drive back was always special. I don't know why. And if that song yeah. came on, yeah, you'd be singing it out. But uh, yeah, actually, great credit to Dermot Kennedy as well. Um, he was running two charity gigs over Christmas for the homeless in Dublin. And due to the new restrictions that came in, they may not be possible to go ahead at full capacity, even at all. But he said he was... Please. Go on, yeah. Yeah, no, he said he was going to try and do his best to come up with some solution. But it's not often you hear of international renowned artists like that dedicating to full concerts. So... Um, well he's going to do four full concerts now because I think he's going to have an early show and he's going to have a late show for all the people who are going to the gig so he's going to do like a five and an eight o'clock gig off fair play on both the days off fair play I didn't hear that now but I know great credit to him I mean he's a real I think that's the reason why I really respect him as an artist as a singer I mean he's really kind of humble and he started off bit like Robert Gray, Stephanie Rainey and all the other Irish artists around, they started off from very humble beginnings. Like he would have begun his career as a busker 
um on the streets in Dublin and now he's an international superstar. So um yeah, great credit to Dermot Kennedy there. Yeah, fair play to him. Uh and he's doing extra extra work and he's doing a great job, Shardy. Um yeah, so what I was uh, watching this week was uh The Last Jewel just came out onto Disney. And uh, this is the film that Matt Damon was filming in lockdown one uh last year i think a lot of it is filmed in ireland um but it's set in maybe 1300s in france and um it's a brilliant movie and it kind of gets told from the three main characters different perspective if you know what i mean so it kind of runs through some of the same events but it gets told from a different point of view um and it's really well made and the action sequences are really are really good in it as well and Matt Damon is really good um and the other all the other kind of main characters uh, it's all played really well and uh, Ben Ben Affleck is in it he's not like one of the main main characters but he's he's um it's a bit of a star so it's sort of um a cast involved as well so it's definitely worth checking out that's on on Disney um so it'd be kind of a good one to check out and yeah it's kind of mainly for the uh, kind of new stuff I was catching up on this week but now I was just kind of watching a few other other bits and bobs um, cool so we'll, we'll move on so at the minute the entire country has been uh, brought to its knees by a little bit of wind and rain Storm Barra is here um, so obviously maybe in Kilkenny we're not being hit with it as bad as maybe other areas but what do you think in general about how maybe storms come into you know into Ireland and everything everyone's freaking out um whenever we hear like a red warning or do you think the warnings are they a bit overblown or do you think that they we should be more conscious of um you know just being safe during these kind of weather warnings and stuff or what do you think uh actually I was just going to ask about the uh, Matt Damon movie did the super value bag make an appearance but uh, <laughs> uh maybe not no. in 13th century anyway um I know um all series going back um I think it's the reason why there's such panic Robbie is it's a bit like the and I know I said I wouldn't mention it but it's a bit like say the COVID crisis because of hospital beds if you look at it, the flood defences around the country in some areas aren't good. And you know that certain areas are going to get hit hard if we have any kind of um, remnants of storms or something like that. I, I think that would be one of the panic. Um, locally in this country and... Um, we haven't really suffered many deaths as a result of storms. I know storm Ophelia a few years ago and that, unfortunately, they were. And that would definitely be a concern when you hear. But I think it's mainly lack of investment. I mean, every year, you know there's going to be power cuts or there's going to be damage done. And you'd be kind of questioning, well, would they be better options of to limit that in a sense and because every year you know DSB and that are going to be under severe pressure and there's going to be the next few days is going to be a situation of trying to restore power which isn't great because it could be the same people every year get hit as well and then 
like I was saying with the flood defences and all of that. Um, I know the British Met Service kind of ripped the piss out of Ireland before because they issued red warnings where the storm was kind of, it didn't live up to the level of a red storm in a sense. Um, but I think we just kind of like to do panic anyway, Robbie. Um, now, we're lucky here in Kilkenny. We haven't been hit really hard. I know their power cuts up around North Kilkenny, Castlecomer and that, and it could be a day or that before they get power back. But maybe down around the south, uh, eastern part, uh, south of the country, east of the country, west, they could be, like if you look at snowfall in Donegal, I mean, the the county came to a standstill nearly. Um, and then you go back to 2010, we had no salt to grit the roads like. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I, I I don't think we do. I don't think we plan ahead that great, if that makes sense. Um, we're yeah. kind of always the same areas get flooded. And um, it's a bit like every summer you're guaranteed to have a drought. But yes, water is leaking out every other day of the year like. So. Yeah. What do you reckon about people who go out in storms or people like maybe go go surfing or to go climbing mountains or whatever during storms for the for the bit of uh, the bit of crack that they might get out of it? Do you reckon these people should be locked up for putting maybe emergency services or even volunteers' lives at risk? Or do you think, you know, if they're maybe just gonna go out and have a bit of crack, they should be maybe just responsible for themselves and you know, they shouldn't be getting emergency services involved or they're going out at their own risk, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. I, I think I, I I just don't agree with it. I won't lie to you. And now maybe I'm hypocritical. I, like I was saying to you off air, I wasn't able to get a run in this morning. It was like a bull all day after it. And I went down for a half an hour um, this evening, but I knew it would be safe there. Um, but mm. if you went out in an area that has a red warning and you go surfing or you go up to the top of a mountain or cliffs or something like that, they're putting their own life at risk. But as you say, they're putting the rescuer's life at risk as well. And no matter what, you have to take a note that you're going to. Uh, and most of these services are voluntary as well. Um I would have been involved, like I was saying to you, fair with civil defence when I was in my teens. And you would be training for that. But, I mean, it's, it's I won't say amateurs, they're highly trained, but they're volunteers. I mean, and if you look at, say, say someone went out walking on a beach or something, or they were walking on the promenade of an area where a big wave comes in, if they get swept out to sea, you're going to have people that are leaving their families and putting their life at risk to rescue them. And I I think that's unfair. I really do. So maybe prison sentence likes it that's a bit severe, but um I think the likes of fines or something like that. Um unless you're highly trained, and I mean you have surfers that would love huge waves and off the west of Ireland is probably one of the best areas in the world. I think it's off the coast of Sligo uh, or yeah. somewhere around there is meant to be the best. 
in the world for the height of waves and that. But even at that, even professionals can get into difficulties. So, yeah, I think emergency services have enough to deal with as it is without having to go out, deal with kind of preventable things, the likes of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, cool. So we're going to move on. We're going to go on to the uh, the soccer stuff. So a few kind of stories grabbing the headlines over the weekends was uh, Chelsea. They hadn't conceded more than one goal all season, and then they conceded three against West Ham. Uh, what did you make of that match? I didn't see it, but I saw the winning goal, and um, oh, it was just a, a, a terrific goal, whether it was meant or not. I don't know, but it was just phenomenal. Um, And it just shows the credit that David Moyes has to get. I mean, I think he was severely treated harshly in Manchester United. Um, It was kind of a poison chalice there when Alex Ferguson left um, because of the success Alex Ferguson had. And then you look at um, the managers went in after um, but going back, I, yeah, no, it's it, it it just shows that on any given day, any team can beat another. I mean, um, yeah, had Liverpool suffering a defeat against um, was it Brighton? Sorry, trying to think a few weeks ago, um. Yeah. And it just shows, it it brings excitement to it. it. It just shows that no matter how much money is spent. Hard work and endeavor can come to the fore. And um, yeah, I give great credit to David Moyes there to have West Ham where they are, especially playing the European champions as well, the team that are predicted to win the Premier League. It's a great feat. But yeah, under Tuchel, Tuchel, you expect Chelsea to bounce back, being honest. But I say over Christmas, they could be a few... Uh, I won't say surprises, but a few results like that over the season. Yeah, there's always a bit of a mad uh, fixture list over, over Christmas and stuff leads to mad results. Um, yeah, so United, uh, since they got rid of Ole, have gone unbeaten under Carrick and now under Ragnick. Uh, did you see any green shoots for United fans uh, in their win uh, at the weekend? They are playing well, Crystal Palace, I think it was, you were on a bit of a they run themselves. So did, you, did you see the the Ragnick press kind of coming in, or what did you make of that game? Yeah, I didn't see the game now, but listening um, back about it, I mean, for Fred to score, I mean, just shows that they, they are definitely a bounce with Ole after leaving. Um, but not to put a dampener on it for United fans, you saw the lift that... Uh, Manchester United got when Ole came in after Jose Mourinho. I think they won their first seven games, and um, so it's. Um, I think things will be slightly deeper within Manchester United. But as someone that likes football, it's the same as GA. You want to see you want to see teams that were strong coming back. Um, I mean. Maybe people in GA wouldn't like to see Kilkenny coming back to the force they were, but you like to see things competitive. You like to see former teams that maybe are playing maybe slightly below power, maybe not having the success or have coming back to the fore. And instead of having, say, the season wrapped up 
nearly already between Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea. Maybe it, it would be great to see Manchester United putting a run together that maybe towards the end of the season that they may be going for third or something like that. Now, I could be eating the words in a while, but that's even United fans were the same years ago when Liverpool were going through a poor patch. You would like to see the rivalry building up again, kind of way. Um, but yeah, fair play to Ratnik. He's he's doing um, he's setting settling things down there. But I think there are bigger issues um, there to be solved. Um, but maybe he's kind of hinting that he may like to extend his tender uh, beyond end of the season. And if he can continue the results like that, I don't see why they would have to go for the likes of Pochettino or that if he's getting the results for him. Yeah, you're saying he might recommend himself for the job. Uh, he might be a bit biased in that one. Yeah. Um, so while United are in recovery, Arsenal are kind of after slipping back a bit. Um, they lost to Everton, lost to Man United there during the week as well. Um so is the pressure back on Arteta, do you think, as well? Or? Um, it, similar to United, I think the the issues are running deeper. I mean, losing 2-1 to Everton, Everton would have been really bitterly disappointed with that. I mean, especially with Rafa Benitez there, they had a good start. So... Uh, maybe that result isn't like Everton aren't that bad a side um, the likes of Gray in that firm is really decent player Cole, Seamus Coleman there um, so maybe like if you're to watch Arsenal fan TV I say it might be a situation where they're saying here oh here we go again or that but I mean similar to Chelsea you can you can slip up like that at times but uh, Everton aren't that bad a side, so um, yeah, we kind of judge it. exactly, exactly. Um, we kind of judge them if that result was against, say, the likes of Newcastle, who are trying to re-emerge, try to rejuvenate their season. You might be saying, okay, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't pun- be pushing the panic button yet if it was Arsenal because the issues were there well before Arteta came in. Yeah, true. Uh, and we also have uh, Apprentice versus the Master, Jurgen Klopp versus uh, Stevie G. What do you reckon, um, as a Liverpool fan, do you reckon Aston Villa can get the win over Liverpool? Can Stevie G format uh, a win against his old club? Or is it going to be business as usual for, for Liverpool and uh, Aston Villa are going to get a bit of a shock now when they finally play a decent team now under, under Stevie G? Um. It's kind of a tough one to, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, we want to continue to run. Like we won tonight, we won the weekend, we won the Merseyside Derby, things are going good. Klopp has players to be able to rest all of that. Uh, Stevie G coming in, um, they're getting a bounce there. They only lost to Man City and only just... Um, It'd be kind of a bittersweet because Stevie G would be a, a hero when he was playing for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, it'd be kind of one Liverpool can slip up against sides like this. Um, and then the factor there with Stevie G, 
could be another thing, but Klopp's too shrewd an operator. And I mean, he took off Mo Salah after, what, 66 minutes tonight. He's fully aware of it. But um, if Stevie G gets the result, it wouldn't be that huge a surprise. Like you want to see him, a bit like Henry Shefflin with Galway, and I don't mean to be reverting back, but it's kind of similar. You want to see Shefflin doing well with Galway, but not at the expense of Kilkenny because you want Shefflin to get the Kilkenny job when Brian Cody goes. When Klopp goes, Stevie G is nearly the ready-made replacement there. So you want to see him doing well, but not at Liverpool's expense at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, cool. So we'll move on there. So what we're going to go on to is a story I've seen uh, last week or week before where a woman went online and she was going to pay pay a random stranger €25 for a hug. And now in the end, she got loads of responses saying people would give her hugs and all this sort of stuff. But um, I suppose just a kind of highlight, maybe the maybe with COVID and maybe with people being online and stuff now that maybe they're a bit starved of the uh, human connection that someone would be willing to pay someone for, you know, something as simple as a, a long hug. Um, so do you reckon... It's just maybe the way society is going where people are a lot more disconnected or is a lot of it to do with maybe COVID as well? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it'd be the one concerning thing, Robbie, about when we come out of this pandemic. I mean, the pandemic is bad and bad enough as it is with illnesses and deaths. But I think the likes of isolation and anxiety and depression will be, uh, and loneliness will really come to the fore and it could be a, bigger crisis among that and even other um, diseases the likes of cancer and all of that unfortunately they could see surges because of um, delayed treatments and all of that um, like they are a lot of say I would have mentioned in videos YouTube videos and all of that of people going around doing kind of um, pranks and all of that so reading into this case you don't know if it was something like that or whether it was actually a case of someone that was lonely um yeah i think it was i think it was kind of a genuine enough thing a general like who i really feel for at the moment is the elderly um and we're chatting about the the lady from limerick that played a plane at 62 ga and all of that terrific and i'm not classing 62 as elderly far from it but, I mean, you have people in their 70s, 80s, 90s that are really isolated at the moment. They may not have had family around for Christmas. And there's a situation that they may not be able to have people or as many people this year. So I think that I was on a meeting earlier on, actually, it was discussing around the, the aspects of this for an organization that I'm involved with. And... Um, yeah, no, it's it's. I think there's a big crisis coming down the line, and it's a matter of when we do emerge from this, which we will, um, how we can get people to reconnect. And personally, when you're locked down for a while and you try to get back out again, they are a fear in the back of your head that you don't want to bring something home, but you also want to be connected with your friends and family, and you also want to if you see someone you didn't see in a while, you'd like to shake their hand or give an arm around the shoulder or something. But 
there's still a fear of what's been put in our head for the past couple of years. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of COVID anxiety. Exactly. And um, I don't think it's a situation that anyone should have to pay for attention. And I don't mean that in the context that they're looking for attention, that that's the only reason. I think people should be looking out for each other anyway. And if they see someone that may have their head down, instead of highlighting and saying, here, are you okay or whatever, just chat to them. Because maybe mm. you'll be the only person they talk to that day, or you may be the person that be able to bring out bring the person out of their anxiety or worries that they have that or maybe you'd be able to take their mind off of whatever their concerns are so I think with the likes of social media and all of that the likes of zoom calls and all of that they are a disconnect but we can't forget the common human touch either yeah that's very true um yeah, I think yeah, she she got a couple of hugs for free in the end. Uh, she um, got loads of responses. I think she was overwhelmed with the amount of response and the amount of love and support that was actually out there. So hopefully it's a situation where she's kind of maybe getting more regular connection with people, friends and families and stuff like that. Um, yeah, cool. So we're going to move on a bit. So just we might just touch on a bit of world sports stuff. Um, so you've had for the sports roundup or do you want me to shoot there first? Um, the only thing is the Irish Open tickets came out last Thursday. I was lucky to secure early bird tickets. Now I did get an email tonight that there's still a few Irish Open tickets available for Mount Juliet next year. And after this year, there's hoping to be a capacity crowd there. So it'll be brilliant uh, to see a huge crowd in Mount Juliet next year, especially for the businesses around Derry as well. Um, so that would be the only one I'd have. They are still some tickets. And for anyone that's listening to us internationally, um, it'd be definitely if you wanted to come over, it is a great, it, or if you have an interest in, in golf, it is a great um, sporting occasion and a brilliant area as well, as Robbie will attest, Stonyford's a great area. Thomas yeah, Tane, great sites as well. And mind you, it's phenomenal. Exactly. And give us a <laughs> shout out. We head for a point. Head for a point. Uh, yeah, cool. So just in the, the world of NFL, the um, season is hotting up and there's um, some teams have maybe four or five regular season, ga- season games left and the kind of playoff picture is taking, uh, taking shape there now. So I suppose one of the big stories is that the New England Patriots, after being so bad last year and after losing Tom Brady last year, um, have really uh, emerged from the ashes this year and are they've gone on a bit of a a winning streak. I think they've won seven or eight in a row, and they're I think they're probably possibly top of the the AFC division. So they're going pretty well, and it it is possible for maybe the New England Patriots to come around and face maybe Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That could happen the way things are shaping up. So that'd be um that'd be pretty interesting. And just another story during the week week was um Antonio Brown. He plays for uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he he submitted a fake vaccine card at the start of the year um at training camp and stuff like that. And I think he was, he paid someone illegally maybe a couple of grand for this vaccine card. 
And then I think maybe someone told him that was a bad idea that he had done this. It was actually a federal offence that he had done this. Um, and in the end, he actually got vaccinated in the end. Um, but he, he actually got a three-game ban for turning in a fake card initially. And there's a bit of um, bit of controversy, I suppose, that uh, Aaron Rodgers, he, well, he plays for a different team. And he said he was vaccinated, but he wasn't. But he didn't actually turn in the card uh, to say he was. Uh, but he, I don't think he got any sort of a ban or anything like that. So they were saying it's a bit of um, a hypocritical situation that this one guy got a three-game ban and the other guy didn't get any sort of a ban at all. Um, and is it maybe a bit of quarterback privilege, uh, possibly because... Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback and he's one of the faces of the NFL um, and he didn't get a game ban at all. So I don't know if you heard about that story at all, do you? I did, yeah. I heard it during the week there, actually. Did you see that one, um, the man over in Italy, he had the fake arm? Oh, he had a fake arm, yeah. Yeah, I know it's... um, I think he... I don't know. I don't want to put a personal view across, but I think a three-match ban is very little for putting. But um, yeah, I know it's a strange one. Now you think they'd be more severe checks than that, but um, sure, yeah. each their own. <laughs> yeah, they were saying Antonio Brownie's a bit of a history of doing kind of mad things, um, and. He's had a lot of, he's had a colourful past or whatever, and he went to to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whatever, and it was almost like a fresh start for him. And Tom Brady was kind of vouching for him and all this sort of stuff. And now it kind of looks bad that he's um, he's kind of done this or whatever. Um, and it is actually a federal offence; it can carry up to seven years in prison. So you would be hoping for his sake that it's not followed up on in that way. Um, I know, definitely. Yeah, but then again, maybe not severe enough punishment in terms of he's only going to miss a few games and maybe missing the whole season might have been uh, a more uh, just sort of punishment for him. Uh, Yeah, cool. So that's kind of mainly it for the world sports to have. Um, Yeah, so we'll kind of move on there. Um, So I don't know if you've seen this thing about the flying car during the week, did you? There's uh, the first ever uh, flying car is available. I didn't know, but it will kind of put fears in me at the moment when you're when people are struggling to control one on the ground, like so. Um, yeah. But I definitely would love one because you'd be flying it, like. Yeah, you could just kind of maybe skip a bit of traffic there, you know. Instead of you know exactly. going through rush hour traffic, you just kind of you know fly off up into the air and get to your destination a bit quicker. Especially when you're a bit late into work as well, you don't have a slow coach in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Would you be able to land though? I suppose that's the thing you need a bit of space to land on. Yeah, no, it, the, the funny thing about it is if you look back at, you know, back to the future, isn't it terrible that some of the things that were actually in that aren't kind of readily available now that they are severe technology, uh, technology advances but um we're still kind of lacking behind i mean did you see actually claire burn last night the man converted a 30 year old car to um electric no i didn't uh, see it no but 
the car was a grand and he spent six grand on a battery to put into it. And if you're to go to a shop and all of that, say a mechanic or that, it will possibly cost another 10 grand or something like that. Um, And it just kind of shows how far behind, but still he only has a range of 100 kilometers on it. Um, Yeah, it wouldn't be gone too far with that. Exactly. So even though they may be prototypes with, say, flying cars, I say we be maybe have our own wings. Yeah, we might have our own wings be then, maybe drink a few cans of Red Bull or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Gives you wings, all right. Uh, Yeah, So we'll move on to our, our last topic, which is the highball. The highball! Uh, yeah, so what we were going to talk about was a good topic that uh, you brought up was uh, mistletoe. And, you know, the way maybe you might have it at office parties or maybe there's no office parties this year or whatever. But um, people go walk around with the mistletoe maybe to try and get a bit of a, a kiss off somebody Um so my question to you on it was maybe do you think it's a bit outdated and is it a bit maybe verging on harassment for people uh, that might feel forced into a situation uh, with the mistletoe? So do you think it's a good tradition and maybe it could be a bit of an icebreaker for maybe a potential couple or do you think it's a bit kind of cringy and maybe a little bit creepy as well? Um, personally, I never saw it being done. I never... Had it done to me, I never done it. Um, most people wouldn't kiss me under an anesthetic, not to mention mistletoe. <laughs> um, compliments to Brendan Grace there. Um, but yeah, I, I just couldn't see it happening in this day and age. Um, I mean, it is for. Uh, would it be is it more of an American it? thing? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe more of a kind of a decades ago or whatever um i think we'd be too prudish in ireland for it now maybe i could be shot for saying that but i don't think we're great at expressing feelings anyway except when you're scuttered in a nightclub and um uh, you spot someone you like and you ask for a shift or they ask you or whatever um or even teenage discos but maybe if even if it was they, I hate bringing it up again, but will an awful lot of things like that be done away with because of the likes of COVID and all of that? Maybe it isn't. Uh, I was actually chatting to a scientist during the week, a well-known scientist, um, for another matter, and they told me, yeah, we will emerge from this pandemic. Um, and we will, definitely. But maybe it's a tradition that may have fallen by the wayside i mean i heard something the other day and it's very unusual can you remember the last time you shook someone's hand um let me see i think i can i think i did shake someone's hand but it was under uh everything had been sanitized so uh, yeah yeah but it's kind of maybe dying out a bit yeah, and um, well, the way it is with all new rules and laws that are coming in, which are definitely deserved, I mean, definitely have to come in because they are fierce harassment that go on. Um, I, I can't see this happening anymore. Maybe, maybe it could be a fun thing among couples or something. 
that they come home from work and have a mistletoe hanging up or something, but I couldn't see it with strangers or anything anymore. Um, it's yeah, to keep it to a relationship sort of thing. Exactly. It's, it's kind of gone by when it, we're two years, but I 12 pubs of Christmas kind of way or possibly along the lines of that. So yeah, maybe it's a tr- tradition, but maybe it was a thing that you could possibly get away with decades ago but there's just so much harassment and that go on now and people being made feel uncomfortable and all of that that I just don't think it'd be a runner anymore being honest what if you maybe had a bit of mistletoe and there was somebody fancied would you maybe chance your arm do you think uh well like if you look at it from say an office party perspective like it's well there's a there there's a couple of ways you could look at it there's a fear of rejection number one would you be able to face the person again if you knew him uh, the second one is if you had alcohol consumed or whatever would you be maybe more forceful than you would if you had your full sub- sobriety about you and then that could lead to complaints of harassment or whatever even though there may not be any malice behind it but still it could be misconstrued that way and sometimes it is that case um, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah I just don't think so I, I just think it's like they any like most people you chat to if you're on say tinder or something like that they say the messages they're getting are horrendous and Sometimes you're tired with the same brush as that. And I, I honestly feel because I did get some weird messages myself from from it isn't just males do it. I, I say that. Yeah. But um like I I just think there's a kind of a culture that's gone that's kind of a social media culture that's uh people think they can get away with a a lot more than they actually would in person so maybe the likes of even though it's, it would be fun and maybe completely harmless could be as I say misconstrued and um, I don't know maybe it's a it's a sad tradition like we're chatting about uh, the lady that wanted to pay for someone to give her a hug but if you saw someone that was in distress on the street if you if it was a friend that you knew well, you'd put your hand around their shoulder or t- put your hand on their shoulder and say, "Are you okay?" or um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. If but could you do that if you saw a complete stranger and it'd be the exact same thing when, even though a kiss wouldn't be considered severely intimate, it's still encroaching on someone's personal space and all of that. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah. it, I think it died a death, and it will be completely still gone anyway. We won't have one at our Christmas party. So. No, no. It maybe it's <laughs> maybe for Limo, but <laughs> maybe for, uh, I know. I'm uh, only joking. Lim doesn't need mistletoe. <laughs> he's he's a general aphrodisiac anyway. So <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cool, good stuff, TJ. So uh, great chatting to you as always. So thanks for everyone for listening. Um, and you can catch uh, weekly episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, 
and Acast. Um, also, the website is up there, Two Hands in a Hurl Pod. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, always welcome in uh, any sort of message and uh, interaction from anybody. And uh, yeah, cool. Good chat, Siege. Yeah, and all really enjoyed, Robbie. Actually, a shout out. We have a regular listener, listeners in Russia yeah. as well. So a shout out uh, there as well. Yeah. It's great that we're going worldwide. Um, as international, um, exactly. Hopefully not. And, I couldn't think of the singer Pitbull. Yeah, so we're going Pitbull. international. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, Good stuff, teach. Yeah, pleasure, Robbie. Talk to you next week and chat to you all next week. Have a good week. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.